Welcome to the latest episode of the Brushwaters Union podcast. I'm your host and general president of the Brushwaters Union, Simon Berman. This month, I am joined by fellow brush wielder and instructional painter, Jamie Daggers. I'm real excited to talk to Jamie about everything they're up to. So, uh, Jamie, how's it going? Hey, Simon, I'm good. How are you? Great. Really good to talk to you. Uh, I'm excited to swap about everything you're up to. I, th- you, I speak with a lot of, um, you know, competitive painters and studio painters, but I don't speak to too many instructional painters. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting your take on stuff. I, I would say I'm, I'm a bit of, uh, I kind of do just about everything. <laughs> yeah. But I would say like my primary focus, um, at least at this time, is is more instructional. I do compete, um, you know, I would say on a, on a pretty casual level. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm still I'm still entering at just about every con I can go to, but but almost more so just to get the the kind of the bona fides of of you know being a sure. teacher. So it's it's all serving the same uh, end goal. But yeah, it's it's. It's it's all it's all part of the part of the mix, right? <laughs> yeah, it's cool. You know, I really enjoyed seeing your your skills and you know everything develop since um, the last year or two since you've been a member of Brushwaters Union, which is very cool. And thank you for the support; appreciate it as yeah. always. Um, but yeah, let's talk a little bit about um, so you know um, this is sort of a standard question, but how, what what got you into miniatures painting? Uh, so about five years ago or so, I went over to a college friend's house. Um, we do the same thing every year for New Year's. Uh, we go over there, we hang out until the ball drops, and usually most of us stay overnight, and uh, and we just have brunch the next morning. Um, but that particular year, he had gotten into Warhammer without you know talking about it a ton with all of us, uh-huh. and he brings out this beautifully painted um, uh, Logan Grimnar, and you know it's it's like very clean, it looks wonderful, um, you know, and then he drops the oh yeah, and I painted it thing. And I'm like, whoa, hold on. I didn't even know this was a thing that you could do. Uh-huh. Uh, and, um, you know, so I started looking into it a few weeks after and, and like slowly kind of like easing my way into, you know, like flirting with the hobby. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, before I knew it, I was, I was neck deep in gray plastic and, um, you know, the point where over the next few years, I got my boss into it and we would paint at work sometimes on slow days. Oh, super cool. <laughs> so, so it was kind of a, an inevitability after I saw that, that first mini, um, yeah. you know, and I had, I had been aware of it before. Uh, a friend of mine was in a Warhammer club in middle school. Um, uh, my, my middle school is not cool enough to have a Warhammer club or I uh-huh. might've been, <laughs> been into it a lot sooner. Yeah. So yeah, that was, that was kind of it. It was like a slow, a slow burn romance, you know? Yeah, that's cool. What what was your first miniature? <laughs> Ooh, my first miniature. Um, I think the first one I painted was actually not uh, Warhammer. Um, the first one I painted was actually a uh, a D and D mini from I believe it was Hero Forge for my partner Rachel. Oh, cool. Um, we still have it in a little. We used a Chessex dice box to like enshrine her, and so she's still in there in all of her poorly painted glory. But uh, it's kind of a fun little a fun little museum piece that we get to keep. Yeah. I think it's really cool to have your old miniatures. Um, recently, like, I guess about a, well, not recently now it's been four years, but when I was moving <laughs> into my current house, um, I found some of my earliest miniatures from the, the early nineties. Um, I think there's some, some Rel Pertha, um, forgotten realms miniatures. They're, they're that mm-hmm. sort of weird, tiny scale, but you know, it's, it's definitely fun to sort of, you know, see what, see how far I've come. And I think it's great to keep those around if you've got them. Yeah, I I always uh, recommend to people who are just getting started with the hobby not to not to get rid of or or you know even repaint uh, some of your first ones because there's a point at which you know that fondness will creep up on you and you'll yeah. you want to look back at how far you've come. It's it's a great way to measure your progress. I, I, and that's no that's not new you know like concept or anything, but it is something I try to impress 
upon people who are just getting started in the hobby. Sure. Um, I even have a section in my in my Discord uh, for what I call first mini, last mini, um, which is where I, I encourage people to post some of their first minis they ever painted, and then the most recent mini they ever painted, even if the first mini painted was yesterday. And sure. The, the most recent one was today. Um, the idea being that uh, every week on stream, I have a community check-in day. It's just a just chatting stream. Uh, we look at what people have been working on lately. Uh, and then we do a couple of first mini last minis and just sort of like observe the 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 vast uh, array of like of of growth and progress that people make in this hobby, uh, whether yeah. they've been at it for, you know, 10 days or 10 years. So it, it's just kind of a celebration of um, how how different that journey can look. Mm hmm. No, that's very cool. Very commendable, I think. Um, so when, when you were getting started, you know, I, I, I'm actually curious to talk about this because I, I feel like a lot of the people I interview have been painting for a really long time. They've been painting for, you know, 10, 20, 30 years in some cases. Um, and, you know, I, I think that like myself, when you when you were learning to paint back then, it was a very different landscape. You know, um, <laughs> there were there were a few books on the subject, you know, Citadel had a, a book or two, which was pretty cool. Um, but by and large, you know, anything you learned was entirely self-taught or, you know, taught by you know a person you knew um mm -hmm. and so you said you got it about five years ago so you know what were your first steps in learning how to paint honestly so much of my process has just been trial and error um i'm somebody who i i have pretty severe adhd so i find it pretty hard to learn in a lot of like traditional learning environments um mm -hmm. I'm pretty good at self-teaching, so I would just kind of go through and I would mess around with something, see what works, see what doesn't. Uh, I would consult, you know, the uh, the standard, I say standard as if they're not the most outstanding, you know, like people doing the hardest work in our in our hobby. But, you know, the YouTubers, right? The ones sure. that are doing all the heavy lifting, like, you know, you've, you've got Vince, you've got um, Uncle Adam, the, the, the people that kind of do the ground level stuff. And... Um, you know, like using that as a resource to to grow, but mostly, you know, everything I've done is is self-taught. In fact, I find myself even now dipping into other disciplines to try to learn new techniques and new interesting um, materials to work with. I, I love to mess around with um, different, like, I don't know, things you wouldn't expect to uh, to add to my minis. As an example, I recently entered... Um, a competition mini where I used silica beads, the kind of stuff in the little packets that they say do not eat, right? Mm -hmm. um, used them as water droplets on a mini, and it turned out really nice. Oh, that's um, cool. And I've seen people do it before. It's nothing earth shattering, right? But um, just coming up with cool things like that to try. And that kind of the spirit of that self teaching is where I've always existed, I think. Yeah. Um, so to, I guess, to put a finer point on it, like, I would say I did as much experimenting self-teaching as I did, you know, research and um, looking into what other people were doing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, mostly got my start with like Citadel paints um, just because they were the most widely available. My friend gave me a bunch from, yeah. from when, you know, he inevitably showed me Warhammer and then stopped right. doing Warhammer. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, of course, I kind of carried the torch there and still yeah. do to the point where it's now my whole job. <laughs> so, right. Um, yeah. What were you doing it, before? Oh, all sorts of things. Um, at the time that I got into Warhammer, I was an operations manager for a small business. Um, it was a car wash. And that was actually the 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 friend of mine who was also my boss. We would paint on rainy days because we sure. wouldn't have any business coming in. Yeah, yeah. So we would just hang out in the office and, and paint some minis whenever we weren't doing admin work. But right. um, 
you know, from there I went to like your bog standard insurance work and data analysis and all this stuff that an English degree holder, uh, you know, ends up uh-huh. <laughs> facing. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like at a certain point, um, I might, might be getting ahead of myself here, but I kind of realized pretty soon that that kind of work wasn't for me. Um, mm-hmm. And then I started planning my exit strategy, right? Um, which ended up being opening my own FLGS. So I uh, bought into an existing kind of Warhammer club local to me um, with the intention of turning it more into a retail store. Um, after about a year, I started to realize that, in fact, I just wanted to paint. <laughs> I didn't hmm. really want to run a game store. Sure. Um, but I realized in doing so that, like, the community management portion was something that I not only really loved, but also enjoyed and, and, and like was pretty good at. Um, yeah. so I kind of transposed that over into starting my own stream and building a community around that and just kind of having this platform and it continues to, to, to now eventually, you know, like inevitably, um, having a platform to promote other people's work and help sure. other people grow and learn how to paint and just be another resource in that space. Um, it, it was kind of a roundabout way of getting there, but that's where I think it really started to click with me that like the instructional portion of this is what I feel the most passionate about. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I had to buy and sell a, a, a friendly local game store uh, <laughs> to do that. And I say that as if like, you know, like I was, I had a ton of money. To, I did not have the money. Sure, to do sure. It. <laughs> I absolutely did not have the money to do it. Um, uh, but luckily I, I managed to turn it around in a year before I made any, you know, super serious permanent <laughs> mistakes in that right. respect. Uh, and the store uh, carries on to this day and is actually very, very successful in, in a lot of really great ways. And it's my friendly local game store still. That's so that's great. pretty cool. <laughs> if you, if you want to give them a shout out, you're feel free to do so. Yeah, it's, it's actually, it's North coast games uh, up in just outside of Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, cool. Well, so. if you're listening, go check it out and uh, tell them Jamie sent you. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, very cool. So, so you know, what what were the things that led you to becoming an instructional painter um, from, you know, painting for yourself? Because I think, you know, that is sort of an unusual journey. I would say that Twitch was a big, big step in that direction. Um, yeah. Because I would find that by streaming, inevitably, you would end up in a position where people would be asking questions about the techniques you're using or the products that you like. And, and um, you know, it got to a point where I was painting competition minis just for my own edification. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I was realizing as I went that there was like a lot more to painting than simply putting a brush on a mini. Sure. Um, and, you know, like in college, uh, I didn't set out to just get an English degree. I, I did want to go into teaching Um, but that didn't pan out in terms of like the program that I was in. So I kind of just cut and run at that point, um, Uh which is like a kind of a common theme I'm realizing now is like getting into something, uh, realizing too late that I'm in too deep and just Uh just (laughs) taking what I can and getting out of there. Um, no, I, 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 um, I, I left with an English degree because the, the time it would have taken to get that licensure for teaching, um, ended up being a little lengthier than I expected. I wasn't mm-hmm. about to go to school for seven years and not be a doctor. So I <laughs> sure I decided to just, you know, leave with that English degree. Um, and uh, yeah, so like the, the pedagogic technique, those sort of things were, were already something I was studying. 
um, and realized by way of doing the stream, I could instruct people uh, while I was learning because as I mentioned before, um, the neurodivergence, like the, the, the one thing I always look at uh, when I'm creating something, whether it's a, a video for YouTube or um, short form or even a PDF tutorial or something like that is like, how is this different than what exists already? And oftentimes I get caught up in that thought process. Um, but I try to work past it as often as I can, because just by nature, the, but just by the virtue of being uh, coming from a different voice, a different perspective, um, there are inevitably going to be people who connect with that. Mm -hmm. um, so advice that I give to people when they start streaming or they start doing YouTube is just start doing it. Yeah, just start doing it. And inevitably, you will either, you know, you'll get your kicks out of it, and then you'll 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 drop it, or you'll continue to do it. You'll find your niche. You'll find the thing that um, that drives you. And again, by virtue of showing up, you are pro you're pro you're um, you're creating something different, and therefore accessible to different people. Um, mm -hmm. So people who really really get uh, what Vince is saying and, and really gel with the way that he instructs and teaches. Uh, may not necessarily connect with the way that I instruct and teach. And right. that's totally cool. We we live in like this golden age of minis right now where... We truly do. <laughs> it's, it's staggering, truly, how many resources are out there. And I'm sure, uh, based on your question earlier, it's extra um, acute in terms of your recogn recognition of that to people like yourself who have been in the hobby long enough to remember testers and enamels and like how hard those were to work with. Yeah. Um, you know, so not only to see how far the technology and the available resources have come, but but truly the the existence of so many wonderful instructors. Um, but the reality is, we all have different styles. We all have different approaches. We all have different products that we use. Um, and you know, it's it's you you kind of have your pick of the litter as a as a consumer in this space to choose who most aligns with how you want to paint or what sort of creating you want to do. Mm -hmm. And so again, by virtue of just putting that out there and just existing in this space, you're providing uh, a completely different perspective in some cases. No, I think that's 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 really insightful. Um, so when you are is it, maybe that's too big a question. I'm thinking, but here, I, I, I guess my question is. Um, when you were approaching instruction in miniatures painting, where do you kind of start? Do you, do you think about a technique that you're looking to teach? Do you, do you think about like color theory? You know, do uh, you, how, how do you break your goals down? There's a, there's a couple different entry points uh, in my mind for a beginner painter. Um, one of the, one of the things I did, um, I taught at PAX U last year and I'll, I'll be teaching again there this year. Um, and one of the things I wanted to focus on getting prepared for that class was a um, a takeaway, like a zine that they could walk away with and and carry on because I don't expect people to show up to my class and you know absorb all this information and then walk away having remembered every single piece of it. Um, so my goal last year was to get this kind of like hand drawn goofy little zine uh, that I made that they can take home and work from when I'm not there or if they can't you know they're not the kind of person who watches Twitch or something like that. I wanted the value to still exist. So I, I made this um, 
this I, I thought of it from the perspective of like, all right, I just went and I bought my first mini. I now have a sprue of gray plastic in front of me and not a clue what to do with it. Sure. Um, so from that point forward, just like building a mini, I built the foundations of what do I do? I'm in the woods. How do I get out? Kind uh-huh. of thing. Um, <laughs> so, you know, the the idea of of what to use super glue on versus what to use plastic cement on and some suggestions as to what products you might want to use for that sort of thing. Um, all the way up to priming your minis and how to prime them like, you know, rattle can versus paint on primer. Um, and so it, it, trying to make it, trying to let people drink from the fire hose without feeling like they are, you know what I mean? Because there's so much to absorb in this hobby. Um, and so much more that's, you know, emerging every single day, um, that it, it, it can be daunting, but like, as you know, this hobby can be so wonderful for so many different people for so many different ways. So you don't mm-hmm. want to scare people off with this like glut of information that exists, you know? Yeah. And you know, it, it's, it's, I'm glad you said that. Cause I think the the fundamentals, um, they really can be quite overwhelming. One of the products in, in, in the, the broader miniatures gaming hobby I've really been impressed with from the last several years was um, Mel Bose's uh, Terrain Tutor book that uh, Dave Taylor published. I don't know if you've seen it, but it was mm-hmm. it was the first and maybe only miniatures wargaming terrain instructional product I've ever seen that really broke everything down. Like, mm-hmm. everything. Um, you know, and, like, there's a chapter devoted to, like, you know, or I mean, not a chapter, but there's a large section devoted to, um, you know, what kind of glues you want to use and when you want to use those glues or whether you want to use, you know, what kinds of styrofoam there are to build hills out of and the pros and cons of all of them. And like, it's, just, you know, there are pages that are just sort of lists of materials with like a note or two breaking down, you know, what you want to use them for. And then, you know, he gets into the theory of like how you use those things. But it, it was, it was mind blowing to me because I've never seen anybody take such a complete holistic approach to it. And I, you know, it's maybe with the, uh, the painting, I, there's, it's a little, a little easier because you don't have as many, you know, you aren't gluing things together as much, but, um, right, right. yeah, the, you know, I think when you start talking to a new person, there's, you know, what, what brand of paint do I use? What, why are there different paint brands of paint? You know, what's the difference between a, um, you know, a white paint from one company and white paint from another, you know, what, do I need the tiniest brush possible? The answer is no, but, uh, you know, <laughs> agreed, um, agreed. there's, 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 there's so many questions that, you know, anybody with even a, you know, a, a year or two of experience takes for granted, but it's, it's so much when you're coming into it, especially these days when, you know, the, the hobby industry is really booming and there are so many products out there, many of which are great, yeah. many of which are, you know, are, are just gimmicks. Um, and, right, you know, it's, right. it's, it's, it's a lot. So Absolutely. I think it's really cool. You, you take that approach. And I, well, I appreciate that. And, and like the one thing I do, especially with my stream, and I have the benefit of this, you know, being privy to these conversations that are happening, um, but kind of make a mental note of like what sort of questions are being asked the most. And like, oh, uh, for example, Army Painters coming out with the new Fanatic line and people, which this, this comes as an absolute surprise to me every time I hear it still. My community wants to know what I think about it. And I'm like, as soon as I know, I will tell you. Sure. I don't have this paint, so I cannot right now. Um, you know, but like, you know, the the goal of, of achieving some some sort of relative mastery of a topic is really like um, very satisfying to me. And so like, I take it really quite seriously when it comes to like how I approach this instruction, because, you know, especially from the perspective of a beginner, you approach this multi-generational um you know, like tome of knowledge that exists between scale modelers and historical war gamers and all these different things, all these different voices telling you different ways to do it. 
And how do you cut through the noise to find like just the bare minimum? Because it's an expensive hobby. And like one, I don't think that like cost should be a strict barrier to entry. There are ways to do this hobby in a way that's approachable, affordable, um, you know, you still have to be aware of the fact that it is kind of a luxury hobby and you're going to have to spend like most of your fun income on minis if you want to keep up with, you know, the meta of wargaming. But if you're just somebody who enjoys painting minis, things like 3D printing and, you know, like um, some of the some of the more like approachable paint companies have made things so affordable and and damn good quality, you know, so like cutting through the cruft, talking directly to the people who want to get started because I think they share a similar um, position to people who maybe just want to get into the hobby casually. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean like, you know, when you first start, you're going to buy paints that you're going to chuck eventually because oh, you're gonna, certainly, yeah, you know, you're going to be dissatisfied with them. You're going to find new paints that other people let you try that you like so much more. And so you don't want to, start with one year under your belt and realize you have to throw away all the shit you just bought. And then, yeah, um, you know, maybe don't go too deep on those apple barrel paints, right? Exactly. exactly. (laughs) We've all made that mistake at some point. So I guess uh, all that to say, like trying to synthesize all this information from all these different, and and frankly, like I find this really, I'm going to go off on a bit of a tangent here, but I find it really, really funny when I research a method um, and find out that it's the same method that scale modelers have been using for the past like 50 years or something. And that we've just rediscovered it. And it's like unearthing, like, (laughs) you know, like, like at an archaeological dig site and just finding something from 100 years ago when there's been something that's existed for 500 years that does the exact same thing. Yeah, I I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting to say, because this has been a recurring theme when I talk to anybody who's been really serious about painting over the last few years in, in these interviews. Um, and so many people will talk about, you know, the fact that you don't always need to reinvent the wheel because in many, many cases, um, you know, fine artists have been doing something that, you know, we can easily pick up for hundreds, if not thousands of years. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, there's, there's always been this bit of divide in miniatures hobbyists because they, I think there's a, there has been maybe until recently, I think it's starting to shift, but I think, you know, certainly in the nineties and the two thousands, um, if you asked most miniatures painters if they were artists, they'd tell you no, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. And artists would tell you that definitely they aren't miniatures, that miniatures painters definitely aren't artists, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I I think there's been, because of that, there's been an un, unnecessary barrier between, uh, of, of the sharing of knowledge between the fine arts and the miniatures painting world um, that I think is starting to get broken down, I think in large part thanks to YouTube. Uh, but, you know, often so. enough, you'll see somebody on YouTube who's developed some new painting technique that really they're just, they're just rebranding a very old technique, right? That, that oh, yeah, you know, sculptural yeah. painters like, have been uh, using for 500 years. Yeah. Michelangelo slap chopped all of his paintings. Uh, you know what I mean? Right, exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, but in, in, in a more serious sense, actually we had this exact conversation in my stream the other day was like, is miniature painting art? Um, there was a, there was a recent YouTube video. I, I don't remember who released it and I apologize for that. Um, but yeah, I mean the easy for me, it was like, yeah, of course it is. Right. But I realize that not everybody engages with it at the level that I do. And and I don't say that to be like, oh, I'm so hoity toity. And I, you know, like I'm an artist. I mean, I am an artist, right? That is my job. That's my whole life right now. Um, but like, you don't have to identify strictly as an artist or want to be an artist in order to have 
fun, well-painted minis. You know what I mean? Like you just have to have the will and the curiosity to want to do that. And that can be enough. You know, you don't have to go as deep as somebody who's been competition level painting for 20 years to still have decently painted minis that that aren't super hard to produce, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, that's kind of the the middle ground that I shoot for uh, when I when I teach is like, you know, because I don't necessarily want to always be like, you know, standing at the front of a line of ducklings when it comes to painting. I, you know, there are points at which I want to teach them to fly too, right? Um, yeah. To, to, <laughs> to abuse this metaphor. Um, but like, you know, there, there's because to me, the satisfaction is that moment where people you say something in a certain way and that light turns on, they get it, it clicks. Mm-hmm. Um, and from that point forward, it just like it's just another gallon of like curiosity fuel to push them just another step further into the hobby and like, yeah. want want to find out more and learn why that technique works and what techniques work well with it. And you know, that kind of starts them down that rabbit hole of like, I'm going to start looking up YouTube videos. And you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Next thing we know, we see him at Adepticon the next year. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, um, in, in the instructional videos that you've been producing and stuff, you know, what, what have been your starting points? Is for, do, you, do you talk about painting single miniatures? Do you paint, talk about painting armies? You know, where, where do you where do you begin? So as a as a as a interesting um bonus answer to your question about what sort of work I was doing before. Um, I've been working in the board game industry for about three years or so, um, Mm -hmm. just in various capacities, whether it's like rules editing or just like working at cons, legitimately just being a body in a booth. Um, And I have a lot of friends who are game designers. I have a lot of friends who are games industry professionals. And weirdly enough, um, there's not a ton of crossover uh, between mini painting and the board game space, but plenty of mini, uh, plenty of board games have minis. They certainly like, do. You look at Steamforge Games; that's their whole shtick, right? Um, you know, there and there are certainly people that are doing it. Like you know, like Flying Frog Studios does uh, Shadows of Brimstone, and like uh-huh. you know, you have famous painters who are doing that. I'm not saying that I'm the only person who's discovered this. Like, um, you know, the, this this I won't say deficiency, but this like disconnect right and so i guess my approach has kind of been to continue to help building that bridge between our two communities because there um there are a lot of people in the board game space who enjoy mini painting and don't realize the vast uh array of knowledge that already exists on our side of the hobby they think wargaming tabletop wargames strategy games those sort of things scare them off and so Mm -hmm. when they encounter a game like demonship that is very board gamery right they're like whoa I didn't realize a minis game could be like this. Um, in fact, I've been developing a game that I demoed for a friend of mine who has never played a miniatures game before. And like, once he was done playing my game, he started looking into games like Don't Look Back and some of these other like miniatures games that are a little atypical of the standard yeah. gaming format. And was like, whoa, like I didn't realize that these existed, right? So I guess like demystifying that... Um, you know, that, that scary feeling of like a uh, big war game. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, all that to say again, that like, uh, you know, I find that right now my instructional content mostly centers around a series that I've been producing um, it partnering with board game companies to make videos about their specific board game that focuses on their minis. So like 
for example, right now I'm working on one for the game Wonderland's War, um, which is a bunch of Alice in Wonderland themed minis that are just like beautifully produced. And, uh, and you know, just going through again, like the, the whole thing, the, the series is called The Process. Um, and the idea is it's a, it's an affordable, uh, from a time and a, and a money perspective and approachable way of painting your minis for your game without having to invest a lot of your life into it. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, sure. Um, so it definitely takes that, it takes that position of like, I'm talking to very new people most of the time. Um, but that's more of that canned content where I get my, my kicks out of like helping to propel higher level painters is mostly on the stream. So, mm-hmm. you know, <clears throat> avenues I would say in which I get my teaching kicks are both on stream and uh, on, on video. And hopefully this year um, you'll see more of me in the teaching aspect in, you know, at cons live at uh-huh. cons and stuff like that. Um, because I think that's just kind of the, the next inevitable growth path path for me. Yeah, that um, makes sense. And, you know, I'm, I, I'm really looking forward to it because like, to, to kind of touch back on like the idea of starting this whole mini painting journey, I feel like people approach it from a different level um, based on where they're coming from. If they have fine art experience, if they even just remember art in high school or something like that, um, you know, they may remember how to thin acrylic paints and like they just jump right in and you don't have to explain that to them. But I find that you know, there's a lot of mini painters who go a very long way without ever knowing how to thin paints and how to, say, approach, uh, you know, a product like Huge Minis, which is more of a heavy body acrylic versus something like Monument Hobbies, which is like more often than not paintable right out of the bottle, but you can still thin it and you can still change the, the properties of that paint. And so it's this situation where you approach it and even if you're somebody who's knowledgeable about the product and about this this space and and this um, this art form, you don't know what you don't know, right? So yeah. covering that ground might be superfluous for some people, but there's still always a little nugget of like truth that you can find in these instructions uh, that you may not have known before. So sure. I think it can be valuable to everyone to kind of revisit the basics from time to time. Um, and again, that's no new you know, concept by any uh-huh. means. Um, but I think the other than, you know, pre-existing evergreen video content, there's not a lot of that being presented in a live teaching format. And so mm-hmm. that's the approach I would like to take with a lot of my, with my um, educational approach with, with cons is like, I literally would love to teach a class just on thinning paint. I'll sit there for an hour and I'll tell you exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, Again, like talk about those different properties. Talk about how, you know, you can even thin contrast paints. Again, not a new concept, but for someone who's new to painting, may not even know what a contrast paint is, that that uh, experience, that that sort of like that uh, exercise might be super valuable to them sure. in, in a way that they didn't know before, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> um, so here's a, sort of a, a broader question. Reggie Morris is a question to say, so it's 2023. Uh, if somebody comes up to you and says, I want to start painting miniatures, what stuff do you recommend they get these days? From the jump, um, I almost always recommend, you know, from a from a from a materials perspective, uh, almost unanimously tell them to start with Game Envy. Um, everything Kit produces is the perfect uh, junction of affordable, but also quality product. 
Um, and, and, you know, full disclosure, I, I do like have an affiliate relationship with them, but like in reality, I have an affiliate relationship with a lot of companies, but I don't enter into affiliate relationships unless I like and use that product. Like it's kind of a, an ethics thing for me, right? I focus on only using products that I enjoy for the most part. Uh, if I don't enjoy something, I'm honest and, and straightforward about it because it doesn't help anybody to, to, you know, to obfuscate that. But um, frankly, uh, you know, like f- as an example, uh, I love huge minis paints, but I don't necessarily recommend them for a new painter, mm-hmm. um, because they're just very different from what most paints are on the market. However, I'll sing their praises all day long. I love huge minis paints and I use them quite a bit. Um, I use monument all the time. I use all sorts of different paints. So like, but that said, I think what I started on army painter, Vallejo, those sort of things. That makes a lot more sense to me sure. uh, from the perspective of a new painter. So, so you know, when it comes to products that you're going to continue to use as you as you grow as a painter, I, I recommend Game Envy because it's sturdy, it's reliable, it's it's inexpensive, and I still use a lot of the products that I started with from Game yeah. Envy. So, like that's a good example. Um, I would say tools are the thing that I like. I do recommend that people invest in early. So, like. Um, you know, like the moldbine remover from Monument, for example, like that's not going to wear down. You right. know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> you're never going to have to replace that. Or, you know, so like there are certain things that I do recommend people invest in, um, even if they don't think they're going to be in the hobby long term. Uh, but, you know, you can certainly also just use the back of a hobby knife. But like that takes an additional level of instruction. In this sure. case, you have a tool that's designed to do one thing and does it well. The end. You know what I mean? Yeah, for um, sure. So like, as an example, yeah, like Game Envy products, they're, they're, they're wet palette. If you want to dive into that early on their hobby holder, um, their brushes, you know, all, all the things that they make. Yeah. I quite like their synthetic brushes. You know, I, I mostly use Sable, but, um, you know, yeah, I've same. been, I've been, I've been painting a huge, um, English civil war epic scale, uh, army from warlord this, uh, this summer and fall. And, uh, I'm doing most of it with contrast, which I don't really want to like, I don't want to, I don't want to put my, my nice sable brushes through that much contrast paint. Sure. sure yeah. So, no. um, oh, yeah. I've had two, somebody, I've been, oh God. I'm sorry. I, I was going to say as somebody who, who like exclusively uses sable as well, uh, I'm only just coming around to the importance of like not using them, uh, on projects like that Yeah. before it wasn't something I did enough that I was like too worried about it. But when I start to do it more often and start with like underpainting and things like that, I'm like, mm-hmm. uh-huh. I want these to last a little longer. <laughs> no, the synthetics have their place, right? Like they, they can be real work. But you know, I've been using a couple of Game Envy, um, I think a number one and a number zero for almost basically the entire army, and they, they've done me well. But actually, the, the one product from Game Envy that I really like, um, which I actually backed on their Kickstarter and ended up loving it, is their their um, brush scrubber that sits at the bottom of your paint of your uh, water cup. Have you seen that? Yeah, yeah. I, I love that thing. It's I mean, it's oh, just yeah. goofy, right? It's a little piece of rubber with you know. Um, bumps all over it but it's mm-hmm. so efficient at what it does like yeah like, well, I'm, it fits, I'm, it's it, fantastic it fits in any water cup too like obviously it fits in theirs the best but like you could toss that in a in a coffee mug and it'll still do the job that it's intended to do that, and that is in fact what i do because my my painting mug these days is an artist opus mug there you go so like it, it and that's that's literally the the prime example of why i always recommend kits products from like for the game envy stuff like yeah it's transposable. It's it travels well. It's really, really freaking sturdy. Um, you know, it's like you can put it through the paces and it will not let you down. And so, you know, the fact that 
everyone. You can swing a dead cat and hit somebody with an affiliate code, which is a good thing. Don't get me wrong. Uh, every single creator in this space has a has a relationship with Kit. One, because he's a wonderful person. And two, because his products are awesome. And, you know, like they speak for themselves, but it does help when a lot of the people that you watch are also using those products. Sure. Now, granted, you know, do I use my hobby holder with every project? No, I don't. I actually tend to use it for, for you know, 28, 32 mil stuff. But when I start busting into, into 54, 70, you know, like 75 higher than that, I, I use my Redgrass Games one. Um, it's just, it's just a personal preference. I don't usually like the little, the, the little arm, um, you know, like attachment and stuff. And, you know, again, as you said earlier, there are so many different product lines that are popping up left and right. Um, the hobby holder is what travels with me, you know, yeah. because it is so modular. It can, it can be used in so many different ways. So it's like, it totally makes sense to chuck that in my backpack uh, because I don't have like museum wax on top of it. That's going to get everywhere. Like I do with my red grass games one that stays home because that's my, that's my studio tool. Right. Um, yeah. So like from, from a, from a tools perspective, I definitely recommend new painters like invest because a lot of times those tools are not going to let you down. They're going to stay with you through the whole hobby. Um, you know, from a painting perspective, I would say don't invest more than like four bucks a bottle if you can help it because like that's i would say the average um i haven't bought paints in a while to be completely honest with you i bought a couple of pro acryl boxes uh gen con this year um and that was the last time i actually like invested in paint um but like if you're new to it again you're gonna end up not necessarily throwing those away but they're gonna sit there and you're not gonna use them right so mm -hmm. Um, but then there's people who, like you said, still use like Apple Barrel Black and stuff like that. And, you know, sure. find what works for you. Uh, and if that is what you like, then hell, don't let me stop you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I would say like paint, mess around a little bit. Try Army Painter, try Vallejo, try Citadel if you want. Um, and and just go from there. If, if you find it doesn't work for you, don't be afraid to pivot. I find that there's... Um, it's not as bad as it used to be, but there's still kind of a dogmatic approach when it comes to painting sometimes where they're like, yeah. I only use, you know, for example, monument. Uh, there are people who only use monument and whatever. Like I respect that. I love monument paints. I use them almost exclusively. Yeah. Um, they're, they're wonderful. But I dabble in cuttlefish. I dabble in huge minis. I still have a lot of the contrast paints laying around. I'm still Vallejo, Skill 75, AK. Like all these different paints are sitting on my desk and I use them for different things, you know? Mm -hmm. um, anyone can tell you that there's like a handful of paints from different producers that everyone uses, you know, Sunny Skin Tone, Ice Yellow, those sort of things. Yeah. Uh, Hull Red, you know, because they don't, have a true one-to-one -one replacement for that in a lot of these yeah, lines. Yeah. Um, and it's what people are used to, frankly, you know, um, there's always that one person who's like, Oh no, I use Apple barrel paints for everything. And you can't tell me otherwise. And it's like, yeah. hey, cool. like <laughs> if that's what gets you to paint, I do not care what you yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> I just want people painting <laughs> for sure. So what, what size brushes do you recommend for a new painter? I think, I, I don't know why I continue to be surprised by this. Um, but I find that people gravitate towards like zeros and ones and, yeah. um, there's no problem with that. If that is what you're comfortable with as a painter, that's cool, but it's going to take you a hell of a long time to paint a mini. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, I try, I try very hard 
to uh, dispel the fear of using a two and a three pretty early on if I can, if I have any influence over that. Um, because like your your brain thinks, oh, it's a miniature product. You want a miniature brush. I totally get that. Been there, done it, didn't work. Um, at this point, I don't really find myself reaching for anything smaller than a two for almost really? anything. In fact, I pretty much use a two for everything. I use the same exact brush for like almost every yeah. part of my hobby because partially because it's been intentional. I've, I've wanted to do that so that I can kind of like train my hand to exert the right amount of pressure to do certain techniques and things like that. So that when I do switch to, you know, a smaller brush to do something like that, it'll be, it'll be easier to fine tune some of uh -huh. those motions that muscle yeah. memory already exists. So learning the hard way so that I can make it easier for myself. Um, but I've found that like, I don't often need to switch away from a two. If it's got a good point, it can do mm -hmm. just about anything that a zero and a one can do. So years you know, ago, I, uh, I interviewed Matt DiPietro. Um, and I asked him a similar question. He said he, he I think he mostly uses a one, but uh, you know his his the way he put it was you know the the points don't get any finer. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. I mean, it's still it, it, all of the all the synthetic hairs and the and the and the natural hairs are all the same, relatively the same diameter. So yeah. you're not going to get any any pointier at, at a certain point. Um, that said, you know if you're worried about overpainting or getting into a, a tricky spot or dotting eyes or something like that. I totally understand the point of wanting a zero or a one. Yeah. Uh, but even with eyes as an example, I find that, you know, you, you wet the brush, you put the product on and it can dry before you even get to the eye side. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, if I can do that with a two, that's going to hold on to that moisture a little bit longer. Why not? You know, yeah. it might be a little harder. It might be a little longer in the tooth to learn, but like, I think it's worth it in the long run. No, I'd agree. I mean, I, I do most of my own painting with, with probably a two and a one. Um, this this epic scale stuff aside, because they are just tiny miniatures. Um, <laughs> but uh, like they're man, they are tiny. Uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. But uh, yeah, you know, I I think the number one's probably my workhorse, but I, I use a number two quite a bit, especially when I'm doing the early stages of you know blocking in um, you know base colors and stuff. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, no, it's it's although I'm supposed to use the number threes. I don't I don't know that I've ever actually used a number three in my life. I, I've kind of. Interestingly, I find that a really interesting question because recently I have kind of changed my tune a little bit. Um, you know, I used to be very much, like I said, the the single brush kind of approach, um, which, of course, I'm sure has some people cringing. Um, but like, you know, starting to experiment with underpainting and doing more of these like broad blocking styles, um, I've found myself looking for even larger synthetic brushes because like I just find that you know, for, for a full coverage situation, it truly is the difference of spending like, you know, five minutes on a mini to three minutes on a mini. And and that sure. doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're, when you're painting a lot of minis, uh, saving that two minutes can, can, can mean a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, well, then, let me, let me, let me, uh, interrupt for a second. Cause so a lot of the painting I personally do is army painting where I'm painting, you know, um, a uniform or semi-uniform scheme over a whole lot of miniatures. Um, so when I need to apply a base color, I go to my airbrush mm -hmm. um, and do you, does that factor in for you anywhere? Cause it, I, I feel like what you're describing you do with the number two, three, or even larger is a, is a problem that I would fix with an airbrush. And I'm curious why you do or don't go that route. Oh, totally. Um, to be honest with you, I don't use my airbrush a lot cause I'm lazy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It's in my basement and um, my, my studio is upstairs. And so it's like to do that, I would have to engage an entirely different part of my house and like a dirty, a different space and, and just sort of like, um, 
you know, it's definitely something I do. I prime with my airbrush almost exclusively, um, save for if I'm doing like one mini at a time or something like that, or, or, you know, just like really want fine control over, over, uh, you know, the fate of a mini, I will prime with a brush. Um, but it, it, it's nice because the, you know, I use Steinle res, so it's like, it's great as a brush on primer and through an airbrush. So like, it, it doesn't really matter what I do with it. Um, you know, that said, it's certainly easier and more effective to do it with an airbrush. And it might, it might be something I eventually come around to. Um, but I find that like, for the most part, uh, I can just sort of slap a base coat on a mini, let it dry while I'm working on something else. Um, you know, and I, I say that like I do a lot of like assembly line painting and I really don't. Um, I've been trying to move away from that as much as possible just because that kind of, that kind of takes the joy out of it for me. So it's not something mm-hmm. I really, really love doing. Um, but it, you, it's inevitable. It happens. You know, you want to paint an army, you got to paint, you know, 30, whatever, you know, like it happens. So you, you have to figure, you have to make your peace with it eventually. Um, you know, all that said, in that case, I probably would use an airbrush. Um, whenever there's like more than a couple minis, that would that would definitely be my approach. Sure. Yeah, it's funny. I think we have a similar approach for airbrushes because, you know, my my painting studio is basically a corner of my living room, you know, and I've got it very mm-hmm. comfortably set up and I can I can watch TV with my partner and, you know, she can she can we can chat together and, you know, it's 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 very pleasant. But to use my airbrush, I have, I have to go downstairs and I got to turn on the airbrush and I, you know, I think it's an unpopular opinion, but I don't like airbrushing. Like, yeah, like I, I, you honestly, know, the, I, I agree. I, I'm not a massive airbrushing fan. To you know, I, the... <laughs> the um the effects you can achieve are, are inarguable right like there are things you can sure. do with an airbrush that you cannot really do quickly or reasonably any other way and there sure, are sure. there are times that i will reach like you know i have a very large horus heresy sons of our horus army um and when i'm applying my base greens you know yeah i'm going to reach for the airbrush but i'm going to paint 20 or 40 tactical space marines at a time you know it's saving me you know over the course of the army probably dozens of hours right, <laughs> right, of, of right. painting by hand and getting, I'm getting a smoother effect than I would by hand. You know, it, it's, it's what I've got to do. Or, you know, if I'm trying to like, I have some Eldar stuff and, you know, if I want to paint like a really nice gradient, yeah, I'm going to reach for the airbrush, sure. but the airbrush is not what I like about painting. Right. Cause like, Hey, mm-hmm. you're always teching your airbrush. They're always breaking. They're always oh, getting yeah. jammed. Right. Like, and I, I you know, it, it makes me insane when I have to spend, you know, half an hour fixing the airbrush for what's going to be literally five minutes of work. I, I, oh. I have to I have to say I, I'm having um, I'm having slight flashbacks to Nova this year where um, I was I was volunteering with mental health charity painters and I um, you know I, I wanted an interesting job for the day so when they were like hey we need somebody to use the airbrush to prime these ravaged star minis I was like oh absolutely that's me I want to paint right yeah uh, eight nine hours later I'm you know two boxes in and I'm like I've spent more time messing with this airbrush than I have actually putting paint on minis. Oh, God. And, yeah, it was, whew, it was bad. So I'm not eager to airbrush. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I, I get it. I, you know, and there are people who are, you know, really skilled with it. And I, I, I get it. Cause you know, if, oh, you, if you put the time in and you learn to, you know, really take care of your airbrush sure, and you sure. got the right needles and size and stuff, you can do some tremendous things with it. So, and I, you know, I'm always a little envious of people who can do that, but, at the end of the day, I don't, I don't want to be in my basement with the airbrush. I want to be sitting at my desk, you know, enjoying, you know, what little Zen I get out of painting miniatures with a brush and, you know, watching yeah, a bad yeah. movie in the background. Like that's, that's what I love oh, totally. about the hobby. And totally. the airbrush and is kind of at odds with that for me. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And like, uh, yeah, I find that the, the, the part that I like the most is that tactile connection of brown yeah. on, on mini. And well said, 
you know, like trying to connect those those two worlds because you you like you said you can get some effects of an airbrush with a brush and and in a lot of ways it, it shows a mastery of the brush. Um, that's not to say that there's no mastery involved with the airbrush. Far from that, in fact. Oh yeah. Uh, and and I may change my tune on that. I'm open to the idea of eventually doing it, but. I, for now, there's so much more I want to learn with a brush before I dive into yet another aspect of of airbrushing. So for now, I would say like I use it in a in a strictly um, um, kind of like utilitarian perspective, yeah. uh, versus like the the more tactile artistry of the brush that I enjoy. Oh, it's it's exactly the same for me, and it's one of the things I've really been delighted to learn in the last few years um, was Byron Ord from uh, Artist Opus and the uh, sort of, I, they call it dry brushing, but I think they have a better word for now, but yeah, that, that, that dry brushing revival that they've brought about. And mm-hmm. the fact that I can, I can now get a lot of those airbrush effects at my desk, uh, totally. you know, by, with their dry brushing method, with those, those makeup yeah. brush style stuff. And that, that's really, that's been a huge breakthrough for me is being, you know, I, I painted a night recently, um, a 40K night, and I did it all with dry brushing and rattle cans. And I, I, I'm really happy with how it came out. And one of my favorite parts is I didn't I didn't go near it with my airbrush. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm gonna have to stop by their booth next time they're at a con. I, I haven't I haven't done a lot of uh of, of looking at, at um you know what they what they have and I know there's a ton of their it's, their it's gonna change your life if you haven't been over there. Go get go I'm get excited. a demo I'm, from I'm Byron. Looking forward to it. <laughs> Byron's the nicest dude too. It's good. You, you're gonna have a great time. Well, and I know they I know they um there's some sort of connection with Rosemary and Company, and that's like my favorite, you know, brush line at this point. So yeah, it stands to reason there will be, you know, there will be a, a connection there too. So, very cool. All right, well, Jamie, thank you for taking the time to talk to me. Um, if you're listening, please go visit the show notes. We've got links to Jamie's Patreon, uh, YouTube, Instagram, all that stuff. Um, so uh, please go go check out all Jamie's stuff. Yeah, and, I would say uh, I would say the the last thing I'd I'd like to add is um, something I've been experimenting with is a. Uh, for my for my ten dollar a month patrons, I've been doing a group class. So just people hop on the Discord. I cover, uh, you know, kind of a preloaded concept, like for example, thinning paint or something. We yeah. do a thirty minute Q and A afterwards. The whole thing's recorded. So if you're if you're a ten dollar patron, you get the access to all the other classes we've done in the past. As far as I know, um, it's some of the most accessible and and price appropriate. I guess not price appropriate. That's not the right way to say it, but. Uh, approachable we'll say Uh um you know like group classes i do i do a lot of like and analyzing the 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 balance between like needing to make money as a professional painter Uh and still wanting to provide valuable and accessible resources for people so that's kind of where i strike that middle ground of like yeah it's only 10 bucks a month per person but like i'm doing a group class it makes sense to me i would say that's that's like that's the one I push the most. So if that sounds interesting to anybody, you want to go over basics, things like that. Um, that is, that's a great way to do it. So that's very cool. Yeah. I, I get the doing a class with that kind of rate. So that's a, that's an awesome value. Thank you. Cool. Well, Jamie, thanks again. Um, I will talk to you soon, I'm sure. And um, happy Halloween to everybody listening. Thank you, Simon. I appreciate it. Brush Builders Union is a community of like-minded miniatures gamers dedicated to playing their games fully painted and supporting one another in their craft. Brush Builders Union is here to help you stay on track with tools and a community of fellow painters to encourage you in your journey. Take the Union Pledge and learn more at brushbuildersunion.com. Mm-hmm.